Ahoy hoy! Welcome aboard the Character Arc Podcast, where we discuss story elements to movies we just watched. We put a special emphasis on character as we break down things we liked, didn't like, and provide changes as if we were the ones making the movie. Let's get started. Uh, hey guys, welcome back. I'm Richard Bertelson. Hello, hello, and I'm Ted Hong. Theodore. I'm going to go with Theodore. Let's change Theodore my name. Theodore Hong. I'm Theodore Hong. I'm glad you found your soul. I found my spark. <laughs> What the... What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Connie, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Pixar. We're big fans of Pixar here. Pixar make real good movies. Good story. Me like. How'd you like it any more specific than that? Um, I will say that overall it was enjoyable. Great attention to detail and like capturing the spirit of things. (laughs) Um, but, uh, no, I feel like it, the message, the, like the central theme was kind of you used the word, and I feel like it hits it quite well, which is the word nebulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's kind of how it goes. I, I, I have a, an opinion on how it could be improved upon. Me too. But yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I like the movie a lot. I think I agree with that. I, You know, to put it in more basic terms, I think, is just that, you know, the last time we watched a Pixar movie was Onward. And right, right. I watched Onward twice and both times at the climax of that movie. I felt like I was going to cry. And this movie doesn't really have that moment. Um, Some rush of those tears away. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I like Pixar often has you know famously like up the beginning of Up or you know Uh whatever these movies um, have a really powerful connection. Like Pixar is just really good at taking a story and whittling it down to its most emotional parts. Right. Um, You know, I've said it before. On average, Pixar makes some of the best movies. This right. one would be not the best of their movies, though. Yeah, unfortunately. It's, it's still better than a lot of movies. Well, yeah, <laughs> Pixar really does well in like eliciting a very visceral reaction and capturing a sort of moment or this feeling that you see. Like, uh, for example, you know, the amount of detail in New York mm-hmm. was just astounding, right? And it felt so real, but you also could recognize that, it, you know, it's CG. Everything that they do to construct... It's all deliberate and well thought out. I just have a thought on that, too. Um, Real quick, though, the premise of this movie is that a music teacher who has wanted his entire life to be a musician, um, a jazz musician, Joe, played by Jamie Foxx, gets his big break one afternoon. He's going to play at night for a jazz star that he has great respect for. And on his way to get ready to play for this this big break of his, he dies. Um, and as he's dead and he's being ushered off to the great beyond, he ends up falling off of the escalator to the great beyond and falling into where new souls are born, where he is mistaken for a, what is the word that they use? A mentor of sorts. These mentors help new souls find their spark. Spark is sort of a non-defined term in the film for the most part. Um, he takes it to mean their purpose for living. Their calling, um, right. The movie then kind of <clears throat> calls into question 
at some point whether that is actually the definition of spark or not. But anyway, meets 22, a soul that has existed for presumably tens of thousands of years, never found its spark. They end up returning to Earth, but Joe becomes a cat, and 22 becomes Joe. Uh, her soul is in the his body. physical body, body yeah. right. And then it's kind of cartoony hijinks ensue for a little while until... 22 are learned. Yeah, 22 learns the, <laughs> learns that she does want to be alive because she's been resisting entering Earth for all this time. And Joe learns that maybe there are more, maybe there's more than one reason to live, I guess. And maybe he hasn't been living to his fullest because he's been so focused on one thing. Um, because you mentioned the animation in uh, of New York, I agree, it is incredible. Do you think it's no accident that the afterlife and the pre life? are so wildly cartoonish and or like so clearly not real. Mm-hmm. Meaning that when we to go from Joe's life, we then we spend kind of like 20 minutes when he goes into the, the great before and the counselors, <laughs> the counselors, Jerry yeah. and <laughs> all Jerry yeah, and Terry. <laughs> um, they're, they're like quite literally like, Weird f- lines, non-dimensional, but also yeah. multi-dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. The landscape looks kind of like a cartoon. The little souls look like cartoons. And we spend quite a large chunk of time in the space. And then when we return to Earth, it's like a shock to the system. Did maybe Earth look just a little bit more beautiful after you were looking at cartoons? Yes. That was the def- that was definitely the case for me because yeah. it was just so uh, like these um, shapes that have these abstract kind of concepts like when they're like oh you will be very self involved and they and uh, <laughs> Jerry pushes them all these little souls into this weird shape right but they're all very basic shapes even though all the shapes are very detailed like in the fields that they're in mm-hmm. but then once you go back into the city it's just like it's even the it's the life. building, yeah, it's vivid. The, the buildings that are so far, each brick has like their own little detail. I'm like, this is just, it's astounding. And I think, yeah, it, it feels like probably no mistake that the animators were like, okay, because I think like his classroom, for example, looks kind of musty and stuff like uh-huh. that. And then there's a level of texture to it. And I think at first you're supposed to look at it that way. It's like, oh, this this place is kind of old and run down or whatever. But then uh-huh. when you come back to Earth from everything looking so glossy, you're like, wow. Like and you use the word texture. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like this is so real. Yeah. And just it, kind of absorb it. You kind of appreciate it more after, as you would argue, Joe does. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not in that moment, but Earth is suddenly more beautiful once you've left it. Right. So uh, I wanted to ask this question. So, you know, obviously we're going to focus on character arcs a little bit right now. Um how do you feel about how both Joe Gardner and 22 arrived at their improved selves? How do you feel about that process? Or at least the turning factor for them? I think that Joe's arc is far less clear than 22's. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with 22, honestly. 22's not the protagonist. 22 has a solid, understandable arc. She wants to live... And then she spent all of her time in the pre-life, though, believing that she, being told that, that she's kind of a problem. Every mentor she's ever had said that she's impossible for her to find a spark because she's a problem. She doesn't really care about that until she realizes what life is and then experiences living on Earth. And then she wants to live. And then Joe kind of goes off on her and Terry sucks her back in truly horrifying fashion. And then she kind of becomes this lost soul. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have any problem with any of that. And then eventually, you know, 
Joe has to confess to her, like, actually, you're right. Like, there are a million small things to enjoy about life on Earth, and you should get the chance to enjoy that. And I kind of wish I had enjoyed it more. My problem with Joe's, though, is that I don't know when Joe learned that lesson. The movie wants us to see that Joe learned that living is is each experience and each moment and, and, and like kind of fully capitalizing on the sensations and the, the people around you and like just the act of being alive. But I don't mm. know when he learned that. There was never a very succinct moment to where, I mean, there is the, okay, so I guess plot wise, it's when he's back at home playing on his piano and he's, all the things he's accrued in his pockets uh, because of 22 helps him realize and he starts reflecting on the times where even the most mundane moments that, you know, like him sitting in the diner having pie or, you know, looking out at the window on the, on the train. And that's great. But I don't think that was very particular to, to Joe. And it's, it's a mirror of the onward end where she's, yeah. he's checking off the lists, except every single one of those scenes that um, the main character of Onward <laughs> ticks off, those Spider-Man. scenes at the moment made you feel something. And then they made you feel something different when they were recalled. Mm-hmm. When, when Joe kind of recalls these moments, which is actually him watching 22 in his body... But because it's also those, his body, he feels it too. Those moments establish that, right? Right. Yeah. Like, but when I saw Twenty Two eat the pizza, like I registered, yeah, he's kind of appreciating that pizza tastes good. Yeah. But it wasn't a powerful moment for me. So recalling no. it was like, I get what you're doing. I don't know that it's that strong. Right. I've seen animes where they go balls to the wall crazy <laughs> with whenever they eat something that's just utterly delicious. Well, I don't know that that would have helped I, my thematic problem. <laughs> it would have for me. Because <laughs> the thing is that it also throws that thing in towards the end where Joe plays. Joe mm-hmm. goes back to Earth and he plays in the jazz group. And then he walks out and he's like, oh, I thought it'd feel different. I do agree with that emotion that they're trying to tell me he's having, but the, the movie never made me feel it, though. Yeah. Like, they were essentially saying his life isn't that different just because he's able to play jazz music professionally now. Mm-hmm. And sure, but... See, I, I feel like there. I feel like there's definitely a more poignant um, message that could have been achieved, but the one that they're trying to go for was that... Which is where... Um, what is it? Dorothea, she explains like, the mm-hmm. fish that wants to be in the ocean, but the fish is already in the ocean. Just to kind of further push that point that you're already in it. This is the greatest reason to live. There are right? lots of things for you to enjoy and right. want right here and now. But it's not in accordance to, and it doesn't like, it's such a ephemeral kind of message as opposed to being very directed towards his specific journey. And I'm going to, Go back on that word journey because that's that's for me. This is what I would say would be a very good, would have been a very good message. But we'll get back to that. I think he needed to be he needed to be stronger. He needed to have a stronger connection to something that wasn't jazz. And I know that's the point of the movie. Yeah, the point of the movie is that at least my, what I gathered was that what he learns is that he was so focused on music. He says that playing is my reason for living, and even up in or in the before time. The Jerry is like, huh, it's not your reason for living. Like that's so simple. It's what like like what a ridiculous oh, yeah, thing to say. Right. So we're we're to. I and, love Richard Ayoade. And then we're also paralleling that with the lost souls. Lost souls are these creatures that live in this weird desert in the before time, where they become so obsessed with this one thing, 
that they they lose their connection to life. Even though we don't see him as a lost soul, I think that we're supposed to make these connections that he was so focused on playing jazz that he stopped living any other part of his life. And he stopped just living in the moment and enjoying things. And I think I get all of that, but it, it's, you need to give me an alternative then. And yep. the movie's weak at giving me an alternative. The movie says Agreed. the alternative is, oh, well, when 22's in his body, he feels the wind and it's great. He finds a seed and it's great. He tastes food and it's yeah. great. And it's like, yeah, yeah. but here's what I would say. Connie is really, really underused. I agree. Yes. And she ends up loving, or she ends up not quitting playing. Yeah. Who's the Connie trombone. again? Connie Connie's is. one of his students. Wait, at the beginning, we said he was a music teacher. one of his students who is actually very skilled. Well, we are to believe, like any elementary school, I assume, you know, or middle school. Like the most of his band is not super talented or actually don't even really care that much. But Connie does. Connie's very good and she does care. Mm-hmm. And so we get this scene when they go back when him and Joe and 22 go back to Earth where Connie wants to quit and ends up being 22 sitting on the steps with him. And we use Connie as a tool for 22 to see, oh, she really loves this, and so maybe there are things to love about Earth. But we should also be using Connie for Joe to see, just because I wasn't playing jazz professionally doesn't mean I haven't contributed to music, doesn't mean that I haven't led a life worth living. Because Joe doesn't, we're never shown Joe having consequences on the lives around him, and I think we need that. Yes, I think that was a major downfall to why there was not such a, a very good impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we obviously share the same opinion, and I wonder if other people felt this way too. Because Connie, Connie's in the beginning and in that scene, and that's it. And then that's it. Like yeah. she, she feels like a character who's owed more. Yes, by I this think story. So. But okay, so let's let's talk about like the peripheral characters too, right? So uh, Des the barber. So this is where I think it also gets confusing because like even with him in facilitating that, just as another shade, for him he wanted to be a veterinarian, but then he ended up being a barber because of things that needed to be done. For him, I think it kind of goes with the the trajectory that we're going on with regards to Connie. But then when we get to the mom, it could well before we jump to the mom though, yeah. like. Because here's how you could have handled the bar- the barber is a good a great scene yeah and like I love the message there too where the, we learn two things from the barber one that like hey just because I didn't do what I wanted to do 20 years ago doesn't mean I'm not happy I'm a happy person right um, I love my life as a barber two uh, we learn that Joe never Joe goes to the same barber all the, all time, the time for we're to believe a very long time I don't know exactly how long um, but. And the barber is even like, I'm glad you asked me about my life, you know? And he's like, well, Joe's like, well, we never talked about your life because you never asked. Uh-huh. And so we also learned that Joe's not really engaging with the people around him. He's, he only cares about music. What would be cool, though, to mirror the first part of that, which is that the barber, sorry, I don't remember the character's name. Des. Des. The Des wanted to be a veterinarian, ended up becoming a barber, and had a very fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. This is where you bring Connie in, too, where it's like, Joe wanted to be a jazz musician, ended up teaching a generation of jazz musicians instead, which even that's a closer connection than the barber thing. Mm -hmm. But still, like, Joe never connects those two things. And we should see that more clearly. That Joe's like, like, maybe Connie's going to quit, and that's a subplot of, like, the whole movie. until, And maybe Joe early on is like, whatever, you know, I don't care if you quit. And then somewhere towards the end... Maybe after that piano scene where he has all the objects around, he has to now go chase after, be like, no, you can't quit. Like, yeah. like you should do this. 
Or maybe Joe gives up on music altogether, and she asks for a lesson, but after he's thrown away all his, all his, his piano and his trombone and shit like that, so now he has to re-engage with music because she's come, because he realizes, no, this is how I engage with music. And if we, okay, so jumping on that, let's say that he gives up music, but now in, let's say that Des is the correct way, right, in terms of this message. Then uh, with him giving up music, because his whole force, his whole impetus is for him to become a well-renowned musician. But instead of doing that, he learns that he could just be a teacher, right? Because he does recall back on his father teaching him about these things and how right. important it was. So, I mean, it would shift the message some, right? But uh, I guess like what you're, you may be saying is something that, you know, like your calling or your spark is adjustable in some form. I think it's that there's not... One. There's not one. Yeah. Right, right. That, that there's not a, that you're, you're not on this planet for one immovable reason. Yeah. You're on this planet for lots of reasons. And maybe, maybe this is what the movie's trying to say, which is that a spark is nothing but a spark. A spark is literally just, it gets the ball rolling. Now explore a bunch of different avenues and like a bunch of different things. I think if they had switched the, the suit and the haircut, I mean, I understand the suit part with the, the with his mom, with his mom is a little bit more, personal. more personal. But I think in terms of like the sequencing of it, it would be better. Suited. I agree because when he's with his mom, he stands up for his love of music. Yeah, because she doesn't really support it because she doesn't want to see him struggle. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the mom because here's the thing: like with her, she she's very stubborn about her view. In order for the message to be unified, he would have to end up agreeing with his mom. Yeah, that he exactly. doesn't need to play music. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens. The mom storyline, I think where you're going with that, is disagrees with all of the other themes in the movie. Exactly. So it contrasts it almost as in a disservice. Because kind of what way. he does is argue that music is his purpose and she gives into it, which there's nothing wrong with that from a human standpoint. But, but a thematic standpoint, it does not It hold. counters the rest of the themes yeah. of the film, yeah. I do agree with you. If you put that before the barber where, okay, you had to stand up for... for because you could almost, you could temper, they could temper one another if they were in the opposite order. He has yeah. to stand up for his love of music. Finally gets the support of his mom to do so. Heads to the barber, learns that maybe he didn't need to stand up for it because there's lots of ways to live. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But like, uh, here's here's my takeaway from this. Because I feel like because the, the theme for Joe is, it's kind of not, it's not ambiguous, but it's not it's not quite clear. So the thing is, my understanding is that they wanted to say something like, you got to see the forest for the tree, so stop a moment and, you know, smell the roses is what the main takeaway that I took, because this is also complimented with 22. But I see, I feel like that leans more toward 22 as opposed for Joe. I think that that's, I mean, to me, what I took away was less narrow than that. I, I, cause I, I think that I think stop to smell the roses to me is a simplistic reading of this film. I think the film, one of the reasons why I think it doesn't hit so hard is because it's hard to say what the theme it is. Like, I mean, yeah. I know what I feel like it is, but it's hard for me to put it into words, which is also why, which is that like the traditional ways we measure success are not the true measures of success. Right. Meaning it's not a one what, all, what makes not you, a blanket kind of What makes you a fulfilled standard. human being probably isn't a job. What right. makes you a fulfilled, good living person is, is, also probably just isn't your family or just isn't the food you like, but it is all of them. It yeah. is, it is, you are a collection of things yeah. and your hobby that you love is almost certainly not what defines you or your life as being good or bad. Cause I think you can take it outside of even just job. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you, when you were in the before time, 
some of them find their spark is like literally just like a game or something like that. Yeah. So many people decide to define themselves by the fact that they like a specific sport or that they like playing music or that they want to write or that they want to do any number of probably mostly creative endeavors because that's what people get lost in. And then they they decide, like, well, Joe says, my life was meaningless because he wasn't a jazz musician. And I think it's trying to say, well, well if, you're, if you're defining a happy existence by this one very difficult to obtain metric, then sure. But the fact that you're trying to define it that way is wrong. Right. Like it is unrealistic. And also if you achieved it, you would still have all of the insecurities and all of the financial troubles, maybe depending on the job. <laughs> and yeah. like, like your life wouldn't magically be better. It would just be different. Yeah. And you would be get, you would get used to that, which is also how I take um, that comment of the fish in the ocean and being told you're all around it is that you would just acclimate to every new normal and always want more. That's how I read that. Mm. I can, I can see where you're coming from. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I like it is what I'm saying right now. Like keeping that in mind with the whole singular kind of spark, the, the calling, so to speak. I mean, this is also a kid's movie. So what is, what exactly would be the takeaway for kids? Right. See, I, th- I think, and I think it, it ends up being a lot it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. Um, it is. It. It's almost like faulting the movie for being like, "Gee, movie, you didn't tell me what the meaning of life is." Yeah, and it's like, but I mean, <laughs> not not expecting them to, but Pixar. No, I I agree with you. I actually, yeah. I'm saying that semi seriously, which is to say that they the movie only the movie's very good at what it's trying to do, mm-hmm. and it perhaps only like we've mentioned in some ways it could be sharper, but also I don't know that this message is ever going to be giveable in a film because that is what the movie tries to do it does try to to ascribe meaning to life yeah and well yeah when you're talking about the soul <laughs> and so it's hard not to take that away maybe pixar bit off a little bit more than they could chew because all of fiction and all of art have been dancing around this subject for for twenty thousand years right. <laughs> so i don't know the pixar as good as they are i don't know if they were ever going to truly succeed at this task I think we're 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 just kind of running parallel in terms of how we would if we were to make if some I, changes. If I put it very succinctly, yeah, he needs to have emotional payoff with a human on Earth that we don't really get. We get a little bit of one yes. with his mom, but again, that the problem with that is it's counter to the message of the yeah. film. So, I wish, so Connie, yeah, because he has an emotional payoff with twenty two, sort of more so than anyone, mm-hmm. and I think that's that needs to happen, but it doesn't fix his life to have that. We, that's what we need. We need something that t- brings him around on life, and I think that Connie's the way to do that. I agree. I think they, they definitely should have focused more on his actual life, like kind of establishing that's the normalcy. Like, you know, he gets a haircut, goes to see his mom. We do see that. We don't really see the barber too much. Just his normal day-to-day life. Here's, here's what I think it should have been in terms of the theme, is that, you know, it's... And, like, the establishing parts of the, what is it, the great beyond... Or the great before, whatever mm-hmm. the hell. No, oh, the great before. And then there's that room. What was it? The the hall of everything. Yeah. Right. So the the way they trigger it is that once they find it, that is the defining thing about that soul, right? At least that's I, what it's implied, right? Isn't I that- see. I think you're reading something the movie's actually trying to tell you is not true. I think that's Joe's misinterpretation of the spark. Right. Right. Okay. That's what I mean. But and that's the spark is actually not nearly as important. It's one of many things one that of go many on the sticker. Great. Yeah. See, and that's where I think they kind of failed on that front. No, no, I, I do agree that that's what, how he interpreted it. And that kind of, you know, by, by proxy, we kind of go along 
believing that's the case. That's what I was saying. That that's what I think they tried to imply in the beginning, and and that's Joe's in, uh, interpretation. Yeah. But really, I would just say the whole thing is a journey. Like with the barber, I really liked his involvement in his story, but also then it also allows for his mom's change, her her stubbornness to not let him go, or you know, for disapproving of his music. Wait right. a minute, what is the journey? You're saying you wish it was more of a journey, but what is the journey? The journey in the sense that, like, it's not just one thing. And that's what they are trying to say, but I think they could have done it a little bit better by focusing more on the human aspect of him. Okay, right? as you were saying. Because it's the same thing for they, her. They for want her us to believe... They want us to see that that's a tough thing to do, but I think you're right. They want us to believe the spark's not the most important thing, but they tell us the spark's the most important the thing most for some of the movies. Throughout movie. the whole thing. Without, and without even him changing. Right. So either make him a very steadfast character and have all of this around him, change and then he kind of sees it because when he gets her to change then she understands that it's not the same things do adjust it's a different time in life right because maybe during that time for her father or uh, her husband it was difficult but for him now it could be different Mm -hmm. and also maybe this is just me maybe he could eventually kind of go the teacher route because that changes and if you want to think about the message that would go out to kids it's like because some kids would feel especially those that are like kind of like going through high school and they're like told you have to figure out what you want to do or what you need to do in life adds a lot of pressure to people and i think that's part of what this movie's commenting on is like hey this expectation is ridiculous but then i feel like this is your reason for living that's ridiculous and they do they do but i think they only get went halfway because the other part of that is that just enjoy life which is not a bad message but it almost seems kind of a, a softer message. It's not saying that you shouldn't. It like they almost say that having ambitions <laughs> is a wrong way to look at life. I feel like that's a stronger takeaway because they say it's not I, the spark. I, yeah, I don't think that's just what, enjoy the weather. I don't think that's what they're saying, but I can see how that how, how someone could easily read it that way. Yeah. Um. I don't think that's. I their don't think intent, that's what they were saying. But, that, but I'm saying how, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It, it, if a decent proportion of people misinterpret it that way, then that's on the writers and the records for, right. for letting that message be perceived dominating. that much. Yeah. Right. Um, now, I mean, to be clear, it's not really the writer's fault if someone wildly misinterprets their work. But if if uh, it's reasonable for someone to misinterpret a certain way, then you might have you might have needed to tighten. You something. might need to yeah, yeah refine something. I, I wanted to use the analogy of like with jazz, right? Because the whole thing when they're playing jazz, it's like it's. There's a large part where it's improvisational, mm-hmm. right? So the essence of it is just to be in that moment and enjoy it. And right? I think that's, I think you, there's no mistake that jazz is used because I right. think that's what we're supposed to do. I think that's, that's what pro- they That's more what the takeaway is supposed to be is that yeah. life isn't the singular path This you do this or do that. Life is rolling with the punches yeah. and seeing, seeing what opportunities come and, you know, engaging with people and things around you because that's what's around that's you. what's around yeah. you you don't you don't you play jazz not because you want to make a perfect record right a track a particular a, song you're doing it because it's a it collaboration is enjoyable. with the other it's a collaboration with other yeah. people yeah so that's why i'm saying it's the journey because when you when you're doing it you're not doing it like yeah sure maybe in some part the end goal is to like i want to make this track and i want to make it sound great mm-hmm. but at the same time you're not doing it solely for the track you're also doing it because you enjoy it it's your i mean i'm gonna put air quotes it's your spark i think that that's getting closer to what they're trying to say and obviously jazz is used to do that it doesn't hit home it's like they start that message mm-hmm. and they don't deliver that moment where it's where it hits home yeah just like 
Connie exists for some reason, and then they don't drive her home, or just, like, they touch on these parts of his life, but they're all only one scene or two scenes. Like, it's almost like there were two or three different screenplays that they whittled together, and maybe either one whole idea needed to be removed so that other so the two others could be strengthened mm-hmm. because it does kind of feel like we're starting three or four different themes that yes. are that are related to each other but aren't the same right and therefore none of them actually end up coming to complete fruition yes and that's where I wanted to try to focus on this like where or my suggestion where it is kind of broad but it is also specific enough for everything that's already involved. I guess the only major change would be to focus more on his actual life. But I understand it is a kid's movie, so they want to add more fantastical elements to it, which there there could be another avenue that they could have gone down where it's like, uh, what is it? Like the one hall where he's, you know, looking into his past. That could also be more facilitated. Um, I agree. I agree. It adds a magical element for kids to kind of still be enthralled. And I do think it lands. I mean, you were on the risk of that being just really sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, or I mean, that's where, or that's where he recontextualizes scenes he's seen that he yeah. views them as sad. Yes, but yeah, now that would be. But now that he's looking at them from the outside, which the movie does that a little bit in flashbacks. So we see him sitting at the diner eating alone in the sad hall, mm-hmm. and then later when he's remembering things, he seems to actually really be enjoying himself enjoying, at that diner. Yeah. Like he's loved that pie must be the favorite thing he's ever had, right. you know. And it, it does do that, but again, it's one of those things that it it kind of does, it, but it's it's trying to make room for too many different ideas. I think if we had that, like, I know they tried to do that through the music and him recollecting his moments with 22 and every now and then the, like the subway, I I wish they had done more of that more, I keep using the word succinctly, but I think that's what I'm going to have to go with. Judging by that look, I'm assuming you want us to be more succinct too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you know, are yeah. you, do you have any other major I, point you want to hit? Yeah, I feel like there's something that I really want to say and I can't quite verbalize it at the moment. But you, yeah. you, you got this long to come up with it. Terry's awesome. I really like Terry. When Terry enters the real world, it's super weird because the... That, that character is such a simplistic design and is put into... We mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but... Pixar's rendition of New York is so layered and mm-hmm. complex, so it stands out. Also, I just thought that the performance of Terry was really good, oh, yeah. and Terry was really creepy. When Terry goes to reclaim the souls, that is also horrifying looking. That is. <laughs> so they did a really good job there. Although every time they open the dimensional portal, it's just <laughs> whatever this voice. Is. Although I would also oh. add, as much as I love Terry, going back to what the conversation we just had, I guess, which I didn't feel that way until just now, because we had this conversation. Maybe Terry's extraneous. Terry as this as yeah, this antagonist. Be, yeah. no we, maybe we don't need a cartoon antagonist for this film. It's not really that kind of film. Yeah. And that's all he I agree. is. There we go. In fact, even when he does claim the soul's back, the Jerry's are just like, okay, Terry, bye. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it doesn't mean much. There's no yeah, like Other it than, felt like a shoe in, yeah, unfortunately. It, it's just that it puts a time it puts a timer on their time on Earth, I guess. But you could do that any number of ways. Well, there was already you, the fact that he had to get to the performance that by that certain time. That wouldn't make him not be able to stay in, on Earth, though. Terry makes it so they can't stay on Earth. Oh, yeah. You could have said something well, like, what's moon wind? Moon could, wind, yeah. You could have just said it expires at a certain time. You say, because yeah. we're not tethered to the correct bodies, we start to degenerate, we start, deteriorate. You could say well, something, anything man, like that. That's a, that's a little too grim for kids' movies. Sure. Like, they'll just get, I think, they'll just go I think back. Terry, like, violently ripping the soul from you is also too... <laughs> That so. is true. That was very, that was very dark because they become colorless and he's just, 
<laughs> Shang singing their fucking beings. Um, but one quick note: uh, the Great Beyond and the Great Before reminded me of the game Tetris Connected. Tetris um, Effect. Tetris Effect. Um, because there's a lot of like this particle effect, and the music is just very atmospheric and. It's very simplistic in design, yet there's a lot of detail to it for a lot of what's going on. Whenever it zoomed in on the lines of the Jerry's, um, they were not just lines. They were millions of little particles I did not moving see that. close to each other. There's one time when it zooms in on one of the kids. Like, it doesn't zoom in. It's a shot of one of the, the baby souls. Mm-hmm. And so that the camera is low to the feet. Where the line forms is millions of little particles condensing Coming. on a line. Or oh, like, that's yeah, cool. Converging on a line. Oh, yeah. I dig that. I didn't, I didn't catch yeah. that. Nice um, yeah. I don't quite remember what I wanted to say, but that's all right. Uh, I think I've pretty much hit a lot of the the notes that I wanted to. And I think we'd all agree. We yep. spent a lot of time just kind of picking the movie, nitpicking the movie a little bit, but uh, still a very good movie. Still a worthy Pixar watch, though uh, it could be. Maybe you don't agree. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm a few degrees lower okay. on that. I feel like it could have been better. I just think it was kind of a little mismanaged. I mostly kind of take it from the stance of, no, that was fun. I didn't dislike watching any part of that movie. I didn't dislike um, it either. It's it just, just it felt weaker I, along I, their yeah. the spectrum of. I guess I'm just kind of coming out from the perspective of I'm trying to remind myself that is because I had very high expectations because the name Pixar is attached to it, not because it itself is a weak movie. Mm, my expectations were just that it is Pixar, so I imagine it would be solid. Um, right. Like I've seen Pixar movies and not like oh like completely wild. Yeah, uh, Cars Two is a bad movie. Yeah. There just you go. a bad film. Oh, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't really like the Cars <laughs> franchise. Uh, yeah, no. That being one, the first one's at least still a, a good movie. It's just a boring movie. But see, that's um, my point. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's like it's still solid enough, but yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, there you go. We have a little bit different opinions, so you know, check it out. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us at characterarc.net. You can find us at characterarc on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Richard Burleson, and I'm Theodore Hong. Theodore Hong. Thank you, everyone. Doodles. Have a good one.